Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 254 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is an award-winning cybersecurity leader and keynote speaker with more than 17 years of experience in the industry. She is an advisor and a specialist helping organizations to understand, implement, and manage information security and privacy requirements. She is also the founder of the She CISO Exec Global Platform, so welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Charney Sims. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me here. You're very welcome. Um, Charney, could you perhaps tell us a little bit about your current role and what that involves? I actually wear two, three hats, <laughs> so uh, about three jobs. Some of the, um, the main one is I'm the managing director for Meta Defense Labs, a company, and I manage the teams in UK as well as in Sri Lanka, uh, where we have a bigger team. I also work as a virtual CISO for my clients and a cyber essentials assessor and an ISO 27000 auditor. That's all as a um, cybersecurity consultant. So right. that, uh, in that, I support uh, various types of clients from multinational companies to small to small, medium to one-man band <laughs> okay. uh, where I advise and help them uh, go through cyber essentials or uh, virtual CISO capacity. Yeah. So you, you mentioned there you said virtual. So what, what does that imply? So some companies, especially uh, small to medium companies, they can't afford a virtual uh, a CISO, full-time CISO. Yeah. Uh, or uh, they, they are too small that they, they don't have the capacity for that. So what I do is they can hire someone who's um, who will support them remotely, not full time, and when and then, uh, if they need the support. So what I try to do with the virtual CISO program is I take them through a journey of cultural transformation within the organization, where we look at their strategies, uh, the business strategy and the risk profiles, the regulations, and then try and create a program that they can go through to be compliant with the regulations as well as to be cyber resilient. So that way, they're improving their maturity. So I would go in and assess what their current maturity levels are. From that, then we create a program for them to go through a plan to improve their maturity levels in cybersecurity or risk management. Okay. And and. You also um, mentioned that you support multiple clients at the same time. Is it an ongoing process? Yeah. So I have developed a program where it can go through from three months to a year sometimes. And in that journey, they go through, uh, if they want to go for certifications, we, we take them through that training, staff training, cultural awareness, all these things. And some clients would want me a couple of days a week or one hour a week. It depends on their requirements. So that's why it's virtual. And then, and it's it's so nice for me as well because then I can stay at home, work remotely, and then still do the job. 
uh, I don't have to travel. So the less costly, the price is less because, you know, you don't have someone traveling to your office every day. Therefore, they, it's more effective for SMBs to carry out tasks that way. And also we go through knowledge transfer sessions where we train the teams. Right. And uh, it's more effective for a lot of companies to do that. So I have clients in here as well as in Sri Lanka where I support and uh, only when I go into the offices, when I feel like maybe I need to go and see these people and then train them on, you know, if I have to do like a on-site training for all of the staff, you do that. But otherwise, it's quite effective that way. And I really love that because it's something I have started uh, a year ago. But I love it because it's you're not stuck with one company. You're talking to lots of different types of companies. The cultures are different. The environment's different. Different technologies, different type of people. So you learn quite a lot of things as well in that process. I can understand that. Yes. The other thing I do is I volunteer for the She Caesar Exec platform. Yes. Um, it's a give back platform, and I founded it out of my own frustrations, and then now it's gone quite big uh, from bootcamp to virtual meetings, and we are planning a five day virtual bootcamp soon. So uh, that's something I kind of volunteer right how big are those virtual meetings this is the first time we're actually trying to do virtual meetings because normally the boot the, the structure of the shisi so is we have a five-day boot camp it's a bridging platform where we give scholarships to people to get trained on cybersecurity and leadership and personal development uh, including emotional intelligence so what we're trying to create is emotional intelligence cybersecurity leaders for the industry bridging right. the the cybersecurity skill gap, the diversity gaps, and also uh, the leadership gaps. You, once you get trained on the platform, then we, we then support them through mentoring and uh, meetups and networking. So we have uh, quarterly meetups. We've done about three meetups so far and monthly mentoring calls. We run monthly mentoring calls with the two industry leaders to the community so they can get to know these people, connect with them, network, and uh, ask questions and learn things so new topics and we also do podcasts where we record these with different specialists so they can listen to those as well now because of the coronavirus situation we've now decided we're actually going to have a um, virtual not a, like a proper meetup in london but now we've decided to go for virtual meetup which is going to happen on the 4th of may and we are still trying to decide how long we are going to have it to be honest, because normally right. the meetups are three hours, but when it goes virtual, I don't know if people would stay for three hours. So I'm, I'm <laughs> thinking maybe two hours uh, with three speakers and a panel discussion. So that's kind of the plan. And then uh, in July, second week of July, we have trying to have the virtual boot camp. That's five days. So... That's also a lot of brainstorming going on at the moment, trying to see how, how are we going to make it more interesting and interactive for people. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to, to hear how that goes. Um, obviously, yeah, it's pretty, pretty much what you need to do in the current circumstances. So, yeah, it'd be interesting if people sort of drop in and out and, and or they select different times to come in and, and so forth and how many people you actually get to attend. Yeah, I mean, uh, we are offering, because I want this to be free for the participants. That's my plan. 
uh, because we want to get more people into the industry, introduce them what cybersecurity is about and also give some leadership skills. And therefore, I want the companies to actually sponsor people and we can match and then the participants doesn't have to pay then. So uh, the good thing about having a virtual bootcamp is that it can be for anyone in the world, from anywhere in the world, pretty much. Without then in you having a physical bootcamp, it's just local. So the virtual bootcamp is we are trying to go global, but but at the moment we are planning how we can make it, you know, uh, appealing to people and how long they are willing to stay, and how long the lessons are going to last because you can only listen to someone so so much, you know, <laughs> for a certain number of time uh, minutes, and then you get bored sometimes if the speaker's not yes. good. So yeah, we are we are trying lots of creative ways at the moment, and uh, I just want to try and see if it works. If it works, then it's good. If it doesn't, you know, you learn from your mistakes. So uh, you know, you have to try; otherwise, you wouldn't know, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, very much. <laughs> um, so, Chani, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and should be? There are a lot of things I can say, uh, but if I were to give one career tip, I would say try and put your go out of your comfort zone all the time. That's the only way to learn new things and keep you learning new things as well. So what do you do yourself? Presumably that, that's part of your own approach to developing your, your career. Yeah, I try to do new things all the time especially when I go to a client or if I apply for a contract or a a project, I try and apply something that is quite new, then I get to learn. But if they're looking for an expert in that some certain technology or or area where you spend so many years, then yes, of course you can't. But there are a lot of jobs out there when you go in. uh, Yes, you could could go go in as expert, but there are a lot of Every company is different how they work. Uh, the technology yeah. is different. The layout is different. So when you look at things that are new that you've never done before, I try to learn those. Then, you, you know, you, you keep learning. Otherwise, if you stick to things that you always know and do, you're not really progressing. I mean, that's how I feel. Uh, yeah. So I try to get myself dropped in the deep end <laughs> and that's why i've <laughs> always had um, even when i first started at ibm i was dropped in the deep end and you know i had to work my way up and try and learn new things every time every project was different so i was always like out of my comfort zone yeah well that's good isn't it it's good grounding when you go into an environment where you're going to be exposed to new things and they they do stretch you yeah yeah it's really good um and and sometimes you can you have to be honest as well because if you go in and say yes I'm an expert on something and then when you're not then it doesn't help you but you should be able to learn quickly and adapt quickly and uh, re- do your research uh, I think that's kind of best way to learn It is yes Okay Johnny, can you tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Yeah, I've had quite a few ups and downs. I think probably my worst uh, would be uh, I got bullied at once in one in one of the projects. I did not enjoy that. It was by a male, my program director, where actually uh, we behaved, treated me that way. 
and I kind of didn't know how to react. Uh, I was naive and I, I've ne- never had that before. So I, I was like quite shocked. Yeah. And uh, I still decided that I'm going to, you know, suck it up and then move on. And because I was scared that he would come back and fault, uh, blame on my work, you know, fault my work. Yes. Uh, so what I did was I just lived with it and I carried on doing the work I have to do. I was the architect on that project and I finished everything uh, thinking, okay, one, one thing I can do is to not fault on my work and get everything done to, to the way they want it and then worry about this situation later. So I finished the whole project, went through that whole series of bullying and, you know, um, it was emotional as well. But after i done that and I started getting quite upset uh, after I finished the project and I felt like I'm going into maybe not a good area where I, I you know, I, I was, I felt like I'm going, getting depressed sort of yeah. because I didn't stand up for myself. So then I, I decided either I go through this path and get depressed or I just do something about it and move on. In terms of what you learned, I mean, what do you do differently if those sorts of situations occur? How do you think you deal with them differently now? If that happened now, I would have addressed it straight away. Because, you know, when something's not right, if someone's not treating you the way you expect them to, then I would have addressed it. I would have spoken to my manager. First, I would have spoken to that person and had a chat and asked why you're acting this way and why, you know, to see if I can resolve that in that manner. Yeah. If not, then report it and then uh, record everything that happens and then maybe clarify with my friends and family to see if I'm going nuts or if they're doing something crazy, just to make sure that you're doing the right thing. Yes. And if, if you, once you confirm that, that yes, this is definitely not right, then uh, to report that to HR or whoever's in charge of the place yeah and then decide whether you want to uh, stay in that environment or you want to move on so i i kind of now realize your sanity is more important than salary so you have to decide whether you want to stay or leave and if you can't resolve something if you can't fix it uh, if they are not going to change if the company is not going to do anything about it the best thing I would say is find another job or find another project and move on. Yeah, so taking yourself out of that situation. Yeah, it's not worth going through that kind of, you know, unpleasant situations for the sake of money. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so moving away from your worst moment, can you tell us about your career highlight to date? I've had quite a few highlights. I mean, I've I've started as a IT IBM engineer, IT engineer, and then specialized into doing uh, cybersecurity and I kind of realized that the moment I started going more into security side I felt that's kind of more in my DNA than the IT side <laughs> uh, and I love it and I, I that's I'm so passionate about it and uh, that's one of the things that gets me out of bed I get so excited <laughs> and I'm one of those freaks who gets excited over data protection and privacy stuff <laughs> uh, and uh, so I, I love it and when I uh, when my colleagues asked to form the company Meta Defense Labs 
um, it was by accident we started it. I mean, uh, we just realized we were getting frustrated because every project, you know, security comes last. It's a QA item. You know, have you done the QA before it goes live? Yeah, yeah. Then pen test and everything. And it was getting frustrated because you know security should have should be secure by design. Uh, you know, you should have that kind of secure by design approach. Uh, but yep. it wasn't the case for a lot of the projects. So we formed the company thinking, you know, why why are we doing it? Why are we getting trusted? Why not form a company and do it the way we want it to do? So yes. that's how we started. And so I, that was one of the good things. I became an entrepreneur. <laughs> From a, a, I and went through the phase of employee to consultant, contractor, and then to entrepreneur. I think that's a pretty much a natural progression, isn't it? Yeah, but it was... Uh, it was there was quite a lot of learning involved in that process. Uh, so one of the highlights was to start the Shisiso uh, yes. program. And uh, when I first came up with the plan, there were a lot of people saying, you know, this is going to fail, and you know, you're going to just waste your money and time and all that. Uh, and they were saying it's a failing project. But I th- I kept saying, you know, even if it fails, I don't care because this is, this is where I learn something. And yep. if it works, it's great. If it fails, it's still fine because then I at least tried it. If I don't try it, then I will know. But it really worked. And, and the best mem- moment of my career was when I, on the last day of the Shisiso boot camp, where when I saw the participants, the reactions and their talks and speeches uh, about how what they felt and how, how much they enjoyed the whole program. And that was like the best moment in my career. Yeah, um, I had tears of joy. Uh, it was just so emotional <laughs> that day. It was just it was the first day of when we offered this, and then they were like, "Okay, teach us." And we went through a phase of you know a lot of us getting engaged in all these people. On the last day, uh, we just asked them to do like a five minute speech, and you listen to them, and just like, "Oh wow." We have done something right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that was kind That's of good. the best moment. And then now and then when people, I, I get at least like one person reaching out to me, like complete strangers, um, at least once a week saying how much they enjoy the stuff we do and then thanking me. And it's just so nice. It just makes my day. <laughs> It does. It does make a difference when that happens, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what keeps me going. And I, I really like that. Good. Okay. And we may come back to that in a bit. But um, can you maybe tell us about what excites you about the future of the industry and careers in IT? For me personally, I like working for different companies, understanding their, how they work, the cultures. Uh, that kind of excites me. Whenever new clients ask me to uh, help them, I get like really excited and go and talk to them and help them. Another thing that excites me is teaching people, mentoring. Uh, I really like that. I've recently hired quite a lot of interns and I've created a whole training program for the whole team to go through. When I see the changes in people's behavior for good and then the progress they make, it really makes me happy. So I really like that and excites me. And in the technology-wise, I think it's, it's, it's changing so fast. So... You never go and get bored with the industry because there's always something new to worry about. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Yeah. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? This is something I mentioned on my TEDx talk as well. I grew up in Sri Lanka. It was the the time where Sri Lanka went through a a, a war. And it was horrible uh, because you always like having to worry about your family and friends and where you live and things like that. Uh, Later stages of my career, when I was a teenager, I used to live in Colombo and I used to travel to school. And at the time, the only career options we had was you either do accounts, you do accounts medicine or or become a lawyer or accountant or a doctor. Those were kind of like the options you have and and when you're coming from asian cultures that's like the jobs to have and if you're not one of those you're like oh okay you're someone you know not very important (laughs) so um but i kind of didn't like any of i wanted to do i wanted to do something with computers and i kept what inspired me most was that i was traveling to work and i kept seeing this big billboard advertised by ibm and there was this woman typing on a laptop and this is the late yeah 90s and I never had a computer at the time and to see a laptop it was like more exciting it's like oh wow you know (laughs) this is what I want to do yes so that's kind of what made me think no I want to go into computing I want to do something to do with computers and I want to learn that so since then I wanted to be in computing um, and but my father didn't re- agree so he said well you should be an accountant and then he put me in a accounting de- a degree after my A-levels and the other good thing was uh, after, just after my, I completed my school I got my first job at IBM in Sri Lanka and, and that was just a very admin job uh, like a very basic job but I really loved that it was quite nice to see you know then there was like these big computers, everyone talking about these mainframes and AS four hundreds and all that. So I was like, Oh wow, I wanna I wanna study more of that. And and then they were like, uh, no, we can't hire you until you have a degree. So it's like you can't be a permi. So I thought, okay, um, then I need to do something about it. Then I started a degree <laughs> in computer science. Um so I tried different things. I studied AS four hundred and uh, that didn't really uh, get me anywhere much. Uh, so I then came to UK to do my degree. And then at the same time, my father was like, oh, you should do accounting. Uh, so he put got me registered in chartered accounting. <laughs> and I was one of those um, notorious teenagers at the time. Uh, you know, like I would, I hated it. I, I just... I remember failing the first exam on purpose <laughs> to oh. prove a point <laughs> to my dad saying, look, I do not want to do accounting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and protested. So then he realized, okay, computing is what I wanted. And then, uh, and then he supported me to uh, come and do Good. a degree in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What is the best career advice you've ever received? I think ask questions. If you're not sure about something, always ask questions, clarify things, and never assume. That's probably one of the best advice I always give to other people also. Um, ask lots of questions. There's no stupid 
question. If you're not sure about something, ask lots of questions and under- try to understand what you're trying to do. Never do something for the sake of you know doing it like the parrot here. Okay, so maybe slightly more difficult, but what is the worst career advice you've ever received? It's not really a, a career advice, but the worst advice I've received is don't do something. Don't try yeah. something because you're going to fail. I think that's the worst advice one can give you because failure only makes you stronger. I would never say to someone, don't try something. Uh, but I would say, do your research before you do it. So fail fast, learn fast is kind of best of way. But I would still say not to try anything because you never know. If you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? I would learn a lot of soft skills, people skills, because technology, you can learn anytime, anyway. Uh, and, and if you learn technology first and try to do other things, technology changes so fast, your skills may not be valid tomorrow. But soft skills, the people skills is for life. I would start with that. I mean, I, I went through a phase where I was really happy behind, sat behind a server or a computer, just doing my thing and not talking to people. <laughs> that was the worst thing to do. Uh, so I take every opportunity now to get to know people, you know, make friends, make uh, build relationships and help each other uh, yeah. because soft skills are more important than any other technical skills. You can learn them anytime. You just need a week. Go on a course, you learn technical skills and you master it. Yeah. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? For me personally, I want to go more into security research type of things, go into hacking. Uh, so I'm learning uh, more around that and also do more virtual CISO stuff. That's what I want to do as a person. And then maybe to retire, maybe in 10 years' time. Aha. Uh-huh. A long-term objective, yes. Yeah, so I have a few objectives that short-term, long-term. But I would like to be a researcher and uh, maybe retire, yeah. And I want to have a few dogs. Ah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? So back to soft skills again. Mm, Number one, communication. Is that different forms of communication or any particular form? Being assertive, that really helps. I tend to confuse people a lot otherwise. Because when you come from, when I first, I mean, English isn't my first language. So I studied in a different language. And now having to learn everything to English, it was a challenge for me. So I had to sometimes, I had to work, in the past I had to work twice as hard to understand things and learn it and do things to the best of my abilities yeah so something i've learned over the years is communication is key and being able to do things assertively is also key in the in the professional i think in any uh, and and building trust yes and the next question we've touched on probably throughout but what do you do to keep your own career energized Doing lots of different things. Um, I'm a workaholic, so I find <laughs> lots of things to do. I mean, even now, yeah. people say you you will have a lot of free time. I don't. I mean, surprisingly, 
I've kind of got so much things going on at the moment because my clients have gone quiet. I think they're going through like this hibernation phase. They're still trying to figure out how to work remotely and how to get things going. So for this month, I think it's it's been quiet, but I've got quite a lot of stuff I'm training myself, training my team, a lot of planning on the bootcamp, the podcast, sorry, not the podcast, webinars, yep. and lots of all the things that I couldn't do in the past, which has gone, you know, and I'm doing all that stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. It's, it's a lot of learning and uh, finding things to do. I like yep. learning new things. Good. Okay. Um, probably makes the next question a little bit more difficult, though. So what do you do in your spare time away from technology? I used to have a lot of spare activities. I used to bake, um, decorate cakes. I became so good at it. People wanted to buy my cakes. Um, so I became a professional cake decorator, maker. Right. And, and my friends loved it because... They were not just t- look good; they tasted good as well. Um, so that was something I quite a few years back. And I, even they were like people were saying I should, be, you know, open my own cake shop because they were that good. Uh, but then I realized, okay, I had to do like a cost benefit analysis yes. they to pursue my IT career or be a baker and then I realized no baking is too boring I want to do uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I kinda, since I started the business that's gone down I, I've not made any cakes I just make oh, my right. husband uh, and my family that's about it um, okay. but I used to, actually people used to come and pay me a lot of money to get a cake done <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I used to paint and stuff um, did a lot of that kind of things uh, yeah if I get free time I, I try to do painting, cooking. I love cooking. Uh, I'm really good at it. And uh, yeah, that's kind of my spare time activities now. Uh, okay. But I love snorkeling as well. Ah. I, yeah, so I love snorkeling, uh, swimming. Yeah, I try and make time to take a holiday because I normally don't take a lot of holidays. But when I do, I just, you know, enjoy that kind of outdoor activities. And Johnny, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career and a Jazza audience? Develop your soft skills. That's one thing. And always do something challenging. Challenge yourself. Go out of the comfort zone. That's the only way to keep learning. But if you're stuck in one job for like so many years, you're not progressing. If you want to progress, that's the only way to learn. It is. Yeah. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? LinkedIn. I'm more active on LinkedIn. I'm on all platforms, actually. But I don't go often on Facebook or any other Instagram stuff. I am on Twitter, but very limited time I have for Twitter. I don't spend too much time. Uh, but LinkedIn, I, I, I'm full on LinkedIn. So you can reach me out, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Great. Johnny, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you very much for having me. It's, it's been my pleasure. Hi, Phil here again. Just a final few words from me. Firstly, I'd like to thank my guests for sharing their career tips, experiences and insights with us on the show today. As you probably know, there have been more than 200 guests on the show so far and I'm continuing to try to attract new guests that can provide great insights to all of us. 
However, to enable me to do this, I need to ensure that the podcast continues to grow and reach an extended audience. And you can help me in doing this by subscribing to the show and providing a rating and review in whichever platform you listen to. Thanks again for your support. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.